1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. We we do got to give him some props. How did I end up in the middle of the
1: face of Big Ben? It should be Big Ben. I like it. Not me making the the funny face there uh, that I'm not allowed to make anymore. I used to make that all the time on the afternoon show. That's the Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes when he would make a funny face and his mom would tell him, if you keep doing that, it will freeze that way. And his reaction was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny looking Uh -uh. (laughs) clock that makes some funny noises there. I'll tell you that much. All right, uh, so we play that to start hour two of this election day edition of Pro Football Talk Live. For whom the bell tolls, it will toll for thee if thee does not vote today. Get your ass to the polls and vote. What? Did, was bingo there. Bingo! Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, we watched back the Steelers-Ravens game. I watched it. You know, I, I was doing... I was doing, and this is, this is ultimate efficiency. Yes. I had, I, I, I've i got a 27 inch monitor that I work on all the time and I had half of it was Bucks Giants and the other half was Steelers Ravens. So when one play would end Bucks Giants, I'd play. watch a play, I'd yeah. watch a play from Steelers Ravens. I'd go back and that's good. Hey, you fill in all the dead spots with activity, but the inescapable conclusion that I came to after re-watching
2: Steelers-Ravens
1: yeah, is, let me hear is this.
2: How in the hell did the Steelers win that game? Right? Right? It, it is. It's kind of like when you watch it back, you just go, wow. You know, the Ravens really – outplayed the Steelers on both sides of the football. And I don't want to disrespect the Steelers in any way because, you know, again, part of their magic is we're big, we're ferocious, we're fast on the football field, we hit hard, and we force bad things to happen, certainly. But the Ravens are the type of football team that that, that is that way too. You know, and uh, I, I think, you know, the, the, the way Lamar – the offense moved the ball continually through the day. You went, okay, yeah, Ravens, you know, the tur- other than the turnovers, kind of won the matchup in the meat and potatoes part of the game. And then on the other side of the ball, too, I mean, hey, you know, Pittsburgh offense couldn't do jack diddly squat until the third quarter. I mean, they could not do anything. There was nothing in the first half. And they just hung in there, and someone—that's this is why you sign players and have big-time playmakers on your football team. You know, we talk about, oh, why can't this team get over the hump or this team close a game out or do that? Well, you know, this is where players come through. And in big games, you know, the, the Steelers just got so many of those type of guys that they made a lot of these type of plays in the big moments, and that's how they won the football game, Mike. But you're right. I mean, when you sit there and watch it, you go – I don't know. I mean, if they play 10 times, I think the Ravens win their share of them. But we'll see where that goes the next time they match up. The turning point in the game came on the first snap from scrimmage
1: for the Ravens in the second half. They're up 17-7. They held the Steelers. The Steelers punted. Lamar Jackson floats that ball that I don't know what he was thinking. Right. right? Right. It gets picked off by Highsmith. That sets up the short field. The Steelers score two plays later. They go 21 yards. It was a nice catch and run by Eric Eber to the end zone. Yep, That makes it 17-14. That's the moment the game changes. And then the Steelers get the ball back. And their longest drive of the day was 57 yards. That's yep. it. Right. 57 yards. Uh, they had 20 yards in penalties to make it a 77 total yard drive. Um, and, uh, there was a, there was
2: a, what was it? There was a 15 yard penalty that face really masked. fueled it. Yeah. There That's was a right. face mask That's and right. a PI on the drive. Yeah, that was part of the yeah. game. You know, that was part of the game, Mike. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, the two long drives for the Steelers and yeah, the drive you're talking about is the one there where they were down 17, 14 and they scored to make it 21, 17, you know, the, the one thing that I noticed in the game, at least watching it back, is yes, okay, here it is. What jump-started the Steelers' offense? I can't say it was anything schematically more than just, they finally just started to play one-on-one ball. Hey, y- you over there, get open against that guy and Big Ben will throw it on the outside corner and you catch it for six yards. Hey, you over there, run a curl route, Big Ben will throw it to you, we'll get eight yards. They kind of just started nickel and diamond them that way with one-on-one matchups and then took a few shots where they got pass interference. So yes, it's not going to look great on the total yards, you know, for your offense and things like that. But there was probably close to 70 or 80 yards in pass interference calls on the Ravens, and there is that shows you again the value of hey, you're going to play us aggressive. We got to take our shots, not just to back you off, but because this day and age in the NFL, interference is a big part of the game. And that was smart on Big Ben's, you know, his part, too. And I wonder if Baltimore will adjust next time they play a little bit. And it was the drive that put the Steelers ahead
1: 21-17. They got 20 yards in field position from a pass interference call uh, that that uh, with Ray-Ray McLeod, who, right. was, who was on the field a lot, running routes for the Steelers on Sunday. And then the face mask came up on their final drive that resulted in points when they went back ahead 28 24, it was forty-five yards that they gained the old-fashioned way. Right. 35 yards on the drive came from penalties. Yes. And that's the one that included the face mask and fueled that drive that allowed the Steelers to go ahead and then and then to hold off the Ravens. But yeah, when you watch that game and you look at how the Ravens ran the ball, they averaged 5.6 yards per carry. They turned out 265 yards. It just felt like a suffocation but the Steelers just kept hanging around and and it never looked pretty right and you know that it, it was sputtering and the running game you'd see a flash of James Conner runs for 18 and then they bottle him up and the drive's over and uh but 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 the Steelers just that that's the thing the resilience and yes, I think it is. I really do believe this I think that last year's struggles and their effort last year to hold it together and not just fall apart when Roethlisberger was lost for the season in Week Two, and they had bad quarterback play behind him, I think that that fire they went through week in and week out, and trying to win games and winning more than they should have. Yeah, I really do think that that mentality has carried over to this year, where they never give up in any game, and uh, they got look they, they they weren't they haven't been outplayed like they were yesterday in a long time or Sunday rather no. in a long time, and they still got that win. Yeah. But it does set the stage for a great game coming up three weeks from Thursday night on NBC when the Ravens go to Pittsburgh. What a way to end Thanksgiving. Oh my God. Because the Ravens are going to be pissed off. They're going to be salty and, uh, It's it's going to be great to see if they can pull it off again. What do the Ravens need to do though? When you look at the mistakes that were made, well,
2: yeah, Lamar Jackson. What what do they need to do to iron those out? How did those happen? Yeah, well, okay. So let's let's break it down. I mean, the first interception. I mean, that's just that's just bad football, you know. And and Lamar just misread the field. He kind of looks left at a short route, and he comes back to the right side. And without really diagnosing where Spillane, the new middle linebacker to, to come in for Devin Bush is, he kind of just turns and throws it blind without kind of assessing what it looks there. I think he just thought, wow, I've been looking left. That surely moved the coverage underneath that way. There should be a hole, bam, I'll hit it right there. Spillane did a great job of kind of staying there, and he was kind of ready to make the jump. So, hey, you got to see throws. So that happens at times. He made a mistake. Now, you know, the other the other turnover that's concerning is it's 7-7, another drive where Baltimore just goes right down the field on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they had their way, like you said, in the run game. It kind of started off early on with like, Edge runs and oh man, the Steelers can't get Lamar on the edge and some of the running backs, and then they overcompensated, tried to stop the edge runs. And then Baltimore was like, okay, you're trying to stop the edge runs here, we're gonna smash it up your face now and go right up the middle. They really had a good way about that, but the game is 7 7, and then he holds the ball way too long in the pocket. I mean, that's the golden rule when you play Pittsburgh for really about the last 30 years you can't hold the ball too long, they're coming. They got more big, bad mofos like we talked about yesterday than just about any team on the planet. So that is where you have to play them differently than other teams. Your interception to start the second half you talked about, Mike, the throw where he tried to throw it over Highsmith, there's, there's a lot of issues there. That's Spider-3 banana. Highsmith, somebody go back and watch the play. He's, he, the, 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 Mark Andrews does not run the route deep enough, one. Highsmith is covering Ricard, the fullback, in the flat yet he can cover both of them because they're so close together, he kind of midpoints them. And yeah, Lamar took a chance and tried to get it in there and didn't get it done, you know, obviously. But, um, I, you know, I, I think the big thing is mistakes for Baltimore. Even the first touchdown as Patrick McQueen, Eric Ebron, wide open the shell, shallow cross. they 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 shot themselves in the foot repetitively throughout the day in that game. You know, but They're going to be able to walk away, and like we said, in a lot of ways, they're going to feel like, man, we screwed this up. We could have handled this game a whole lot different and probably controlled it. Uh, And that's where it's going to be interesting on Thanksgiving night to see how they bounce back from this. And that running game was so impressive. You know, they're trying to force a passing
1: game into the mix. They're trying to make Lamar Jackson a drop-back passer – to complement the skill set, the incredible skill set at running the football. And it makes sense. You never want to be one-dimensional. But when you can gash a team for 265 yards and you're doing it without Mark Ingram, I mean, think about what Mark Ingram is feeling after seeing the performance from Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins with Ingram out. They're going to come to the conclusion they don't need Ingram after this year. Most likely. With Edwards and Dobbins. Right. And uh, and, and, and why would you not do that again, Chris, if they can't stop it? That's one thing the Steelers couldn't do on Sunday is stop it. Do you expect, based on what you saw, that that's exactly what they're going to do the next time? Just keep running and force them to stop it and just assume that the fluky
2: little things aren't going to happen that give the Steelers a chance to win. I think they're going to rely more on the run game next game. I do. I do. Because they're not going to trust Lamar Jackson all the way. And that's where the interesting chess match goes. Because this, like we talked about a little, like this was Pittsburgh's first real look at like, whoa, Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens hitting on all cylinders type of offense. You know, and they, they struggled with it. They did. There's no doubt. You know, like I said, they kind of. You know, started off the game hitting them on the edge runs and then started working their way up the middle. There's just a lot to defend with the run game in general. You know, because they do such a great job of Baltimore moving people, doing things, creating more gaps to cover on a certain run play to where you go, "Oh, I think we have everybody covered, all the gaps covered over here." But now, you know, they do a speed sweep and pull a guard and they have a fullback and all of a sudden there's three more gaps to that side. And can you get over there and fill all those gaps in time? They really stress you out that way. So that's where it'll be interesting, and I think Pittsburgh will learn some things about, you know, how to play him and how they want to play the game in general next time around. You know, that 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 that'll be interesting to see. The other thing too, Mike, that I think is worth bringing up, and why I think the next time to like what you're saying, why not just run it and keep running it on the last drive of the the second to last drive of the game, right? The drive that ends up in Lamar Jackson running the quarterback draw on fourth down and he fumbles and, and Minkah Fitzpatrick all that. That drive right there, Baltimore ran the ball every play. Pittsburgh played 3 down linemen and 5 linebackers with only 3 DBs in the game, the whole drive. They basically were saying Please throw it, Baltimore. Look at these great looks we're going to throw. And they've played, and Baltimore still didn't throw it. They ran the ball, and they ran it successfully. But I think that'll just embolden them next time to go run it. And I think it also says a lot about Pittsburgh basically said – go ahead, try to beat us with the pass. We're not going to let the run game beat us. We don't think you can beat us with the pass. Now, they were fortunate the run game worked, but I thought it showed something on Pittsburgh, and then I showed something on Baltimore, and the fact that they just ran it, even though there was only three DBs in the game, and there was all these guys at the line of scrimmage, to where they didn't even want to flirt with that and Lamar Jackson either. I just To me, that was a little bit of a psychology analysis by me, but I think it says a lot. But I think it
1: speaks to the reality that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson specifically, if they get a lead and if things start going well early, it snowballs, right? Yes. It's like the game last year against the Dolphins when Miami came out and said, we're not letting you run it, beat us over the top. And Lamar said, okay, I will. And I think if you give the Ravens a look like that right out of the gates, they will throw it. But after there's been some mistakes and maybe after Greg Roman and John Harbaugh are thinking, hmm, you know, he's a little off today. He's made some mistakes. We're not going to take chances that maybe they'd be willing to take right out of the gates. Right. Look, They threw on the first drive and it was a pick six. Even wasn't down the field, but still it was a pick six on yeah. the third play from scrimmage. So I think you're right. And uh, if they can't look, that's the thing. If Pittsburgh just can't stop the run, it doesn't matter no. how they configure the defense. The Ravens will just keep running a game. That's the safest way to chew up the game, score points and win. Um, so here's the problem, though. And this this gets back to the spring of twenty nineteen when the Ravens are looking for receivers and no free agents want to sign yeah. with the Baltimore Ravens. And so what do you do? You start drafting guys like Miles Boykin and Hollywood Brown. And now, now, look, last year, and it's funny when you look at his numbers week by week, last year and this year, Hollywood Brown had a 100-yard game week one, each of his first two NFL seasons. And then after that, the numbers go down. But if you're winning, who cares exactly. if you have minus two yards receiving in a game if the team is winning? But if you've got three, even if that three yards was a touchdown and you lose, you go to Twitter. And that's what he did. What's the point of having soldiers when you never use them? And then to emphasize the point in parentheses with two exclamation points, never. He deleted that tweet, but, you know, the point was made and uh, you never really can delete anything in this day and age. So let, let's hear from John Harbaugh yeah. on Hollywood Brown showing that frustration with his lack of involvement in the offense on a day that the team didn't win. I'll tell you this. He did. He did play the game like a soldier. He uh, He was fighting. Very hard out there, uh, blocking and running routes, and and had obviously big touchdown catch. Almost another one right before that. So um, you know, I like the way he was fighting. I don't disagree with the fact that that if he's saying he's a soldier, uh, but I promise you, we're trying to use all of our guys. He knows that. Probably a little frustrated, but uh, he's not a selfish guy. I don't believe he is for one second. Uh, If he was, he wouldn't play as hard as he did, or be the good guy that he is around the building every single day. So I have a lot of trust in him. Um, and the fact that he took it down, I I appreciated that. Wow. Uh, Look, now, it may have been a very different conversation between John Harbaugh and Hollywood Brown behind the scenes, Uh, but but the coach isn't going to throw gasoline on the fire publicly. He handled it the way he had to. But, you know, again, anyone wondering why they didn't sign Antonio Brown, this is why. You don't want to add another guy to the mix who wants the football for a team that from time to time is just going to say, screw it, we're going to run the ball.
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. And, you know, listen, John Harbaugh, he understands the kind of guys he's, you know, recruited and signed there with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're they're not a bunch of Boy Scouts, that's for sure. So he realizes that he's going to have a few guys pop off every now and then. It's, you know, that's the, the risk they take of having that kind of renegade, tough guy team mentality. It's a little bit like Pittsburgh that way. Going to have to deal with personalities, you know, certainly. But you're right. It's always going to be an issue, and I'll say this, just as long as you're running that offense, it's going to be an issue as far as receivers are concerned and all that, but they got to find more of a specific role for Hollywood Brown. It's something I've written in my notes for a few weeks where I just go, you know, the the lack of wide receiver involvement in their offense is concerning. And again, we're not holding Baltimore to like, oh, you know, can they beat the crappy teams in football? I'm talking about, yeah, they need to get them involved if they want to win the Super Bowl and beat the top teams in football, the Chiefs, the Steelers, those type of teams. And with Hollywood Brown, he's not a kind of guy where you can just go, hey, we're going to line you up there, and we're just going to go one-on-ones all day. No, he's not that way. He's not big. He If he, if he gets disrupted and jam coverage off the line of scrimmage, the play is over that way. But they need to find more of the – You know, the same thing we see with Debo Samuel and those type of things, speed sweeps, all those type of things, more wide receiver screens, intended pure shots down the field just for Hollywood Brown. I do think it's an element of their offense to where it'd be a nice way to get cheap completions for Lamar Jackson, another weapon to worry about out on the edge with the Baltimore Ravens. And of course give some love to the receivers that way. It's it's one area where I do sometimes look at them and just go, Ooh, they need to find a way to get him the ball more just because he's too damn fast to not, not touch it enough times. Hey, one guy who jumped off the screen last night, rewatching the game was
1: Willie Snead. Ooh, Willie Snead, right? Willie Snead made big catch after big catch and uh, really helped keep that offense going when the passing game was sputtering. So you know, Hollywood Brown can't say we didn't throw. Well, that's what I was to they say.
2: Willie Sneed's a soldier, too, so it was kind of disrespectful. He, But you're right. You're right. They did throw. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: No, but but my point is yeah. they are capable of throwing. Yes. Now, some of those throws from Lamar Jackson had that feel of desperation. And it's like the ball just pops up. And a couple of times, he found a guy down in the middle of the field and it just happened to be a big hole there, and that's where the ball landed. Right. So it came down to that throw in the end zone. And, and Snead, uh, yeah, five catches, 106 yards. Right. Not a bad day for Willie Snead. And uh, of 208 passing yards, he had more than half of them. But the last play of the game, it was intended for Snead. Mika Fitzpatrick broke it up. When you look at that more carefully, was someone else maybe more open, or was that just destined to not work from 25 yards or so out? With time running out, yeah,
2: just uh, destined too hard there. That that to me is, you know, again a little bit of what we said. I don't think that changes from what we said yesterday. You got to scramble around in those instances and make a play. Why? Why why you got to scramble around? Because you want to try to draw one of the defensive backs towards you. Right. You got to find create some holes because think it. They had eight men in coverage. They know they don't have to worry about getting beat behind them. Right. Their eyes, their body, everything is ready to – I'm watching the quarterback and we're ready to run forward and attack, right? So within that, it's very hard to throw a ball in your normal, oh, I'm going to take a five-step drop and hit the ground and throw it like you normally would in the in that moment there. It's you'd have to have somebody wide open to be able to fit that type of throw. You'd have a coverage bus. It's just too hard to where, yeah, I would have liked to see him go back there, scramble around, buy time, see if he can get some secondary people to move, and then you throw some sort of laser into the end zone. You know, I think those are the best way. That would be the one thing I would have looked at, Mike. Um, you know, and, and it just It was tough. It's too tough to throw that ball with that many people in coverage ready to react.
1: Let's flip it back to the Pittsburgh offense for a second. They go up 7-0 on the pick six. The Ravens outscore them the rest of the first half, 17-0. Mike Tomlin talked about making halftime adjustments. Was there anything you noticed? Again, they had drives that didn't require them to do a whole lot thanks to penalties and short fields. But did you notice anything different in the offense and specifically in the passing game? When we got into the second half,
2: no, I I, de- I definitely did, you know. And there, there's two things to hit. I want to hit on this here with one with the Pittsburgh, but then the other one with the Baltimore's defense. But yeah, um, definitely, you know. In the first half, and this is one of the reasons I picked the Ravens to win the game, was you know some of the oh pick plays, shallow cross picks, wide receiver screens type plays. Baltimore was all over that. They weren't gonna let like that de facto Steelers run game, you know, you know, wear them down with oh a six yard screen here, oh a four yard short little pick play here, oh you know another shallow crossers picking each other across the middle for seven yards here. They weren't gonna let that stuff beat them. And then what ultimately what I felt like Pittsburgh did in the second half to finally get rolling is they more just they, what I wrote in my notes. They just played one on one ball. Hey, you're one-on-one out here hey, Claypool, run 10 yards, stop, I'm going to throw it on your chest. Hey, you're you're over here, it's one-on-one, you know, work them outside, I'll throw a slant in there. They kind of just said that. It was like, the hell with the scheme, hey, they're in man-to-man, Big Ben, oh, I like this matchup, and he threw that. And then there was a few little short passes where they caught them in zone and just a few handful of plays. But to me, that's all it came down to, and that's all it needed to happen. And Big Ben, you know, as you mentioned earlier, he took some shots that created some pass interference. There's some great value in that. Um, but that's really all I could come up with, Mike, that I saw that I felt like was the big difference between first half and second half Steelers offense.
1: And I, I look, we're, the game needs no more hype. And we're not going out of our way because it's an NBC game. I can't wait yeah. for this rematch Thanksgiving night. This is the ultimate gift from the NFL for Thanksgiving night to see this game again. The stakes will be as high as they can be. As we said last week, if the Ravens hope to avoid the Chiefs, if they hope to find a way to let someone else go in there in the divisional round and beat Kansas city while the Ravens are waiting for whoever it may be to come to them in the AFC championship, they got to win the division. Yeah. And if they lose to the Steelers in 23 nights they are not going to win the division no, they barring a complete and total collapse by Pittsburgh. It's too much ground to make right. up. So that game is going to be gigantic. All right. Mike. Mike, One more thing. thing. One Go more ahead. thing. Go ahead.
2: Just on Baltimore's defense, because this was a big move last week and we really didn't. Yannick and Gawkway. That was, a, it was, it, it's going to work. I mean, just from what I saw there, he popped a lot in the game. And I really think it's going to give Baltimore more versatility on defense. The fact now that they're going to just be able to rush four and be able to depend on that a little bit to where, to like you're saying, you get in the playoffs and they got to go play Patrick Mahomes, you know, where they've been burned those times and those type of things is they got to blitz him. And then we know what happens there. Oh, it's one-on-one or blitz. He makes you miss and all that. This That was a big move. And it showed real positive on Sunday. It did. He was around Big Ben a lot. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch going forward. He still isn't going to catch Patrick Mahomes. He's still <laughs> no, not going to no. get Patrick Mahomes.
1: Forget it. It ain't going to work if it gets down to that and if it's Chiefs-Ravens in the <laughs> postseason. But, but that's a good point. And another thing we haven't mentioned, Ronnie Stanley out for the year yeah. for the Ravens, missed most of the game. They still were able to run the ball with his replacement. But they need to stay healthy because if guys start going down and continue going down on the offensive line, it's going to be hard to open those holes and it's going to be hard for the Ravens to keep running the football. All right, let's take a break trade deadline arrives today we're gonna talk about some of the rumors that are percolating for last-minute deals that could be made before 4 p.m eastern we'll do that when pft live continues right after this check out mr mercedes on peacock it is an exclusive peacock drama series based on the best-selling trilogy by peter or by stephen king not peter king stephen king is the author (laughs) mr mercedes no detective peter. bill hodges is coaxed out of retirement into a thrilling chase with serial killer mr mercedes full episodes are available now right here on peacock start streaming today i have a stephen king book for you to read not a peter king book although he's written a few i have a stephen king book for you i thought of this yesterday after we talked about your one book that you've read in your life yes. are you ready
2: yes yes Stephen King
1: wrote a JFK assassination book. Did he write? 63. Really? It's a time travel JFK assassination. Guy finds some wormhole and goes back and uh and uh, tries to stop the Kennedy assassination. You love How about
2: the time that? travel thing. You love that. All, like listen, quarterback of the all, future, that book listen, you wrote about, you know, time travel and the quarterback of the future. Can we, <laughs> can, can we stick
1: to the point, please? You ass. I'm telling you 112263. I'll buy it for you for Christmas. You're going to know your Christmas gift in advance. Okay. A copy of 112263 is coming. It will sit on your shelf forever and you'll never read is it. Is
2: there some factual stuff there or is it totally just no.
1: like No. Well, I mean it's factual but it's the Kennedys. Yeah, oh, and there's a lot of stuff about how the, the guy goes back and he's following Lee Harvey Oswald around, and it's all the different people that Oswald was talking to. And I think a lot of that is fact. Right,
2: it I is. Think a lot of that yeah. is. You got to read so that. book there, I there, read. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It, th- there's a lot there about Oswald and his wife and yeah. different Russian contacts. And yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that th- we you were talking think, yesterday do about. Do you think Steven Lee Harvey, books, Harvey Oswald
2: like. really killed JFK? Did, what's your what's the Florio pasta meatballs gut? Do you think? No. No. Exactly right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we need to know.
1: Given what we know now about
2: how we're lied to, oh, I don't know, every
1: single day. No, I don't believe that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. I've come to that conclusion that I believe nothing that anyone in authority ever tells us. (laughs) Anyway, back to football. Stick to sports, and we shall. Uh, The trade deadline today. How about Aaron Rodgers from after the loss on Sunday to the Minnesota Vikings? asked about whether he wants some help to get this offense where it needs to be if they want to try to get where they need to be. Let's watch and listen to how Aaron Rodgers handled that question.
0: Do you need to add to that position to be the offense that that you want to be long-term?
2: Well, Ryan, it's not a bad question, but it's not one that I can answer. We've had many conversations about this type of thing over the years. You know, I... You know, truly understand my role. Um not gonna stomp for anybody. Last time I stomped for a player, he ended up going to Buffalo. So uh I like the guys that we have. We need more production, more consistency at times, but uh I like the guys that we got.
1: You know, it's funny I you saw that, that. Rye smile there. How about the I smile? Love it. I love the it. Smile. <laughs> and then it's like and then he was like, get it under control. Yep. Yeah. Get, he's like, get back to the talking it's points. It's a good question. You're gonna, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're going to give that guy Florio some more crap that he can write, you know? Uh, yeah, right. Hey, you know. hey. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, we've had oh, this oh,
2: conversation yeah, a lot over the years, yeah, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the guy he's talking about that he stopped for that went to Buffalo, apparently it was Jake Kumaro who was cut by the Packers right before the start of the season, and he ended up on the Bills practice squad. Apparently that's a guy that Aaron wanted, and they could still – Sign him. He's on the practice squad in Buffalo. So that's kind of a weird dynamic there. But Will Fuller has been linked to the Packers. Will Fuller's got the connection to Matt LaFleur. Fuller was at Notre Dame when LaFleur was there for a year as quarterback's coach. So it's not like you're getting a guy's sight unseen, as you sometimes are. LaFleur knows him, he's been around him. The question with Fuller, and we talked about this last week can he stay healthy? And are you willing to take on the balance of a $10 million plus salary in Will Fuller's option year with no guarantee you're going to keep him around next year? But yeah, hey, look, it, it won't make the Packers any worse on offense no. if they could get will Fuller and incorporate him. He brings a dynamic that would make
2: it even easier for Devontae Adams to do what he's been doing. I, I mean agreed, uh, definitely and, and I, they, they need it. you know again, I know the offense, it's a top 10 offense in football, but it's not really like a top 10 offense. It's a top it's like it's a top 10 offense because of the quarterback once again. I, I mean they really it's all around him. And they have multiple positions they need. So I, if, can they trade for defensive tackles and middle linebackers? Because if they don't do that, then they better make a trade on the offensive side of the ball. Because, like, Russell Wilson and company, if they have to play them in the playoffs, they're going to score at will on the Green Bay defense. Like, they, they better be ready. They're going to have to get in a shootout. That's the way it's going to be. You know, and the, they're, they're in the window right now. That's where I just go, how can you not make the move? Aaron Rodgers is still one of the five best quarterbacks in football. I mean, there's no doubt. He's one of the three best. We know that. He's still doing special things, and the NFC has major flaws this year. I mean, really, if they could get to the playoffs and really right now, the way it looks, just avoid Tampa, they could get to the Super Bowl, even though I don't even think they're a legit Super Bowl-type team. You know, if they get one more weapon, I'd go, they might be able to win a shootout against the Seahawks and company. You know, oh, the New Orleans Saints, yeah, I think they're a better team, but they let up big plays every week all the time. They might be able to win a shootout this year against that team. We already saw them do it once this year. So the time is now. And I mean, if they're worried about the balance of Will Fuller's rest of his contract, Then, you know, kiss my butt, Green Bay. You're not going to win. I don't know what else to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's putting it uh, very diplomatically. The NFC North has the tour of the AFC South this year. We'll eventually see what the Packers can do on the field against a team like the Titans. Should be a good game coming up later this year. But which teams from the AFC? Let's say the Packers pull, and this is a term we're hearing a lot in politics nowadays, the inside straight, and get to the Super Bowl. Who from the AFC would they even be able to compete with, assuming the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Steelers
2: end up in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I I mean, I know. Well, that's that's what's scary. I mean, I I don't know. You know, maybe, uh, like, the Chiefs at least have some things about their team that I think match up a little bit with Green Bay. The fact that, yes, they will play aggressive and get in your face and those type of things. But, yeah, I don't think they're on the level – of those three teams you just mentioned, not the Chiefs, Pittsburgh, or Baltimore. I mean, I'm, I'm Baltimore's still going to be the third best team in the AFC for me. Yeah, and I, I mean they're, they're just too complete of a football team overall to where I'd go. Man, I think you know those teams will have their way with the Packers defense, all three of them, and then. And the Ravens and man, all of those offenses are going to give them trouble. They really are. I mean, all those defenses are going to give the Packers offense trouble because they're just not enough to threaten you to scare you, to beat those talented defenses. That's why I think they need that other guy. Yeah. You got Devonte Adams. He's a great chip and they wear him out. But when teams find a way to take him out, it's kind of just like a, it's kind of a, a, a moving target as far as who's that next guy this week. Who's going to be the guy this week. You know, and lately it's been Robert Tanyan, and then it's, you know, oh, hey, hey there's Valdez Scanling. But there's never another guy that you could just rely on and say, no, that's our number two. That's the guy we go to when you stop Devontae Adams. And uh, that's what I don't understand. And to me, the, the time is now. It's ripe. It's ready. Let's go.
1: I think the health issues with Fuller would scare me though. Yeah. History of injuries. Right. That's what would scare me. I wouldn't want to have to go all in and rely on him staying healthy. And you know, that's not an unfair assessment. It's it's been characteristic of his career in the NFL so far. All right. Alden Smith back after five years out. He had a great start to the season. He's kind of fallen off, but the Cowboys have resisted any opportunities to trade Alden Smith to a more contending team, the Cowboys still technically contenders in the worst division we've seen in years. Here's Cowboys COO Stephen Jones talking about their resistance to trade Alden Smith to another team.
2: Seattle called about Alden Smith. Are there any particular reason you guys didn't want to part ways with him?
0: Well, I just think we're we're in this to uh, still fight. We're in the NFC East. It's uh, obviously a
2: division that's uh, uh, that's struggling right now. Uh, we're going to continue to.
0: Uh, improve as a football team. I'm convinced of that. So like our players, and we'll continue to uh, see how we improve and how we move forward.
1: Yeah, look, they're not throwing in the towel. They got rid of some guys last week that they think didn't fit. They got something for Everson Griffin. They didn't think he fit. They dumped on Terry Poe and Daryl Worley because they just didn't like them. They didn't like them as players, and maybe there was other issues there as well. But they like Alden Smith, and I think they like being part of his redemption story. But he really has tailed off. We've got the numbers to show it. I I think he should have been the NFC's Defensive Player of the Month for September. But, you know, I guess after five years out, you, you do start to fall off a little bit. He's only got one sack the last four games. He's still getting a decent number of pressures on the quarterback. He's not playing as much of a percentage, uh, and, and you know, it, it just you know, he he looked like he wasn't quite in the same shape that that he was in a few years ago and maybe he's just having trouble getting back to that point where he really can do what he did on a consistent basis, but it's still a great story. It is. I think the Cowboys want to, you know, Hey, maybe by the time December rolls around, he's, he's ready to make a big push and, and help them get over the
2: top and win that division. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I get them not letting them go, you know, and, and, you know, Chris Collinsworth mentioned a little on Sunday night in the, in the Eagles game, Alden Smith, Smith, you know, he's been battling, I think some injuries here as of late too. So that's why he's been off the field a little bit more. But I understand the Cow – I mean, yes, the Cowboys are still in it. We know that. But I think even more than that, which I don't really think they're still in it, but um, we're going to say it because they are. But, okay, the other thing is they just don't have a lot of good football players on their defense. And like like you said, I think they like being a part of the story. And then, two, he's a guy that, you know – he's a good piece of the the team. Like you don't want to just give him away when you don't have a lot of those pieces in your front seven to where I think they look at Alden Smith and go, wait, no, no matter what next year, no matter who's our defensive coach or what scheme we play, Alden Smith can fit that. He can play 3-4 outside linebacker because that's what he did for the 49ers. He can play defensive end, and I just think they looked at it and went, we don't really have that many good players. Like We need to build on something here, and he's a guy that has a little versatility and can help them out in the future as far as depth and everything that way, and that's probably why they didn't want to cut the cord or let him go. Let him go. There were Sunday
1: splash reports that Washington looking into the possibility of trading quarterback Dwayne Haskins, the 15th overall pick in the 2019 draft, also veteran Ryan Kerrigan reportedly available. There was a report he wants out, and then there was a report he doesn't want out. Here's Coach Ron Rivera from Monday talking about the trade rumors involving his team.
2: Well, first of all, I'm not going to speculate on anything because it's all been rumors, and so we're going to leave it at that. I mean, Ryan's been a big part of what we've done. Been a big part of this organization for a number of years, and has had a tremendous amount of success. We have a tremendous amount of respect for who he is as a uh, member of the Washington football team. Would you be able to speak uh, generally to your trade deadline philosophy? Is is that something you want to be active in, or, or you're you're happy with your guys? Or where where do you stand generally? Well, generally, it's all about circumstances and situations. And and right now, you know, our circumstances are what they are, the situation is what it is, and we're just gonna go forward.
1: There's no reason for them to give up on anyone at this point. I mean, if you're gonna trade Haskins, just do it after the season. It's not like you're gonna get something now that helps you. If somebody no. calls you up and offers you a Pro Bowl player that you can plug right in and he's and he's gonna help you win the division, then yes. But if it's just draft picks, Wait until March or April. You'll get the same draft picks for Dwayne Haskins. At that point, you want teams to have a chance to assess all their options That's and right. maybe get a better
2: package for Dwayne Haskins. Then, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they're not going to get anything for Dwayne Haskins right now. I mean, nobody's what what what's nobody's going to like trust that in the middle of the season. He was, what's the be- point? Right. What's, what's the, the p- point? Yeah, he's well, not. You're not yeah. bringing him in there. He's going to play, or you're not going to like entrust him to be. Oh, we think he'll be our backup. That's a, he's a young kid. He's already been in two offenses. You can't do that to him again. He's not going to be ready for that. I agree. You go off season. you let teams do their due diligence, figure out their quarterback plan. Maybe there's more of a market. There certainly will be more of a market. Now, the Kerrigan thing I think is interesting. I do. You know, I-, I would expect there is phone calls about him. You know, again, I mean, we just talked about Seattle and Alden Smith, you know, Alden Smith and all those type of things. I mean, there's there's got to be some teams out there that are looking to bolster their pass rush here down the stretch. And not that Kerrigan's a superstar anymore, but he's still good. He's a good football player, and he's not needed there anymore. It's over. I mean, they have Sweat. They have Young. They have the Bama guys in the middle. That's their defensive line for the next six, seven years. That's not changing. They're They're good. So he is an asset that way to where, you know, I I would think they dangle him out there and and try to see what they can get for him today. Let's take a break when we return the Tuesday tradition in season GOATs in a bad way
1: draft. We'll do that next here on PFT Live.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? What it sounds like
2: is is a lot of excuses, like COVID excuses, you know, things that things that you haven't ever said before.
0: No, it's not. I didn't say it was an excuse. I never said that. No, I didn't say you did. Well, then don't. Right. It's. I mean, look, we paid Cam million uh, Cam Newton a million dollars. I mean, it's obvious we didn't have any money. You know, it's nobody's fault. It's. I mean, that's what we did the last five years. We sold out and. Won three Super Bowls, played in the fourth, and played in an AFC Championship game. You know, this year we had less to work with. It's not an excuse. It's just the fact.
1: I'll, I'll do respect. Everything that guy just said is bullcrap. Thank you. Uh, they didn't sell out. They haven't been dancing on the edge of the cap. They didn't mortgage the future. That's never been a narrative around the Patriots. Hey, you know, they're going to have a reckoning one day. Hey, they're loading. That's what the Cowboys do. And you know what? In today's NFL, Chris, with the cap going up as it does every year, now next year is going to be different. And coincidentally, or maybe ironically, I never quite know, the Patriots are in great shape next year when the cap's going to be 175. They've never been a team that's in cap trouble. That's baloney. What they did in past years to win the Super Bowl was not all calculated with the idea that, you know, in 2020, we're really going to suck.
2: No, it was not. You know, they weren't like in great cap shape all those years. They went close. And they still won. Yeah, but they went close to selling out. They did. I mean, they're paying $18 million right now to Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. And they're, they're not on the team. I mean, so. Yes, they did do a degree. How long does everybody think it can work? And let's like, let's back off on the judgment. I mean, yeah, Brady, what would the, what would the results be like if Belichick got to go down and coach the Tampa Bay team right now? I don't know. They'd be a lot better too. Yeah. Brady's on a better football team. So, so what does that mean? It proves, oh, it, no, it was Brady. No, 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 I know, but that's right. what they're getting at. The discussion. I, it's so stupid. That's all. I'm. That's no. all I'm saying there. I think this team would be no better
1: right now right. with Tom Brady at quarterback. It's just the don't, – don't tell me that you had some grand plan that 2020 was just not going to be a good year. Don't tell me that. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. What, and wait, You're I'll a say victim this, of your own success. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll
2: say that you're right. Exactly. I mean, they're a victim of their own success. How long can it last? I mean, you know, they did their best and do all those type of things. Again, it's still – First pick, turbo draft, goats in a bad way. That, go. That, we'll get to that. That's easy. Again – Belichick is amazing. (laughs) Let's see where that goes. Are people going to say this if he builds a new dynasty, you know, two years from now and all of a sudden they're back? Like, so this story is not over yet. And but my point is, he's making
1: excuses. That's an excuse. Why not just say, "Yeah, we've missed on some draft picks. We haven't made good decisions." You know, we not. You know, we're not. We've lost Dante Scarnecchia. Don't just t- don't tell me it's a cap situation because I think that's crap. Well, all I, right. I don't know. I
2: don't know if that is crap. I don't. I don't know if I agree with you there, too. It's and, crap. You know. Again, listen. Tom Brady's amazing. Goat. Whatever everybody want to say. You know, will never be the like the greatest quarterback of all time in my eyes. I. Some of these analytics firms go back and look. The advantages Bill Belichick has afforded Tom Brady, let alone the talent he's had on the football team, I bet you if you go back and look through Brady's first 18 years of his career, it's the greatest pass protection of any quarterback has ever had in the history of football. I bet you if they go back and go separation between intended target and guy defending, he's thrown to more open receivers than any quarterback in the history of football. I don't even know this. I just watch a lot of football. I'm going to guess I'm right. Somebody, PFF, Collinsworth, call your guys start doing it. Let's go. I bet you that's right. the case. So here we go. Now let's go to the draft. First pick. Right. That's in a bad way. You're up. I'm up? Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> I guess I have to go with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think that would be the goats in a bad way leader this week for me for what he did You know, in the game against Pittsburgh. Listen, there was a lot of positives. But, yes, he made three fatal mistakes in the football game that cost their team at least 17 points, maybe 21. I mean, he gave them you know, the pick six, a short field for another touchdown, and then they were in the red zone on a second down, and he got strip sack fumbled to where it's a chip shot field goal, but maybe they score a touchdown on the next play. Uh, So Lamar Jackson, I think, has got to be the leader in the clubhouse for me this week.
1: Last week, I waited until the last pick to – include the guy with the egregious act on the field this week I'm leading off with Javon Wims the Bears receiver who was suspended two games yesterday for punching CJ Gardner Johnson twice listen what are you thinking first of all it's an inappropriate act in any setting what are you doing punching a guy with his helmet on you're gonna break your hand and get yourself suspended so Javon Wims go to the week for
2: me yeah uh, I I get that Um, all right Next one I'm going to go to here is I'm going to go to the refs. I am. I'm including that with the pass interference play we saw last night, the pass interference call from the Green Bay Packers game that was picked up in that moment, you know, a similar almost exact play with the Chargers and the Broncos, except that was called pass interference and they left that be. I mean, it's almost the same type of thing as the other two plays. And then here's two others that really bother me. You know, this really bothers me with the refs, and the NFL's got to fix this because this is an issue. Lamar Jackson, first drive of the game on the sidelines, he's running the ball. Somebody's tackling him. He's still three feet from the sideline. Cam Hayward comes in and crushes him like you're supposed to do in the sport of football. And they threw a late hit flag. He wasn't out of bounds. He still was in the field of play as the most dangerous ball carrier maybe in the league. So that's that drives me crazy. Later on in the day, Russell Wilson runs for a first down when they're trying to run out the clock, and he fakes goes down for a slide and then starts to run again and then slides and gets hit by Jimmy Ward. That's some BS. The NFL needs to rectify that. That's It's cheating. I don't even know what i was going to say. You're letting the quarterbacks cheat right now. And I, I'm getting to the point where I'm telling you, I'm a defensive coordinator. I'm just going, so what? Hit them as hard as you can. Screw the 15 yards. These quarterbacks want to do this type of crap and start flopping and do that. Screw it. Bring it to them. And I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think we're getting to that point to where defensive coaches might just go, we're going to get the penalty anyways. We might as well make it count. Uh just so the record is clear, that that's Chris me, Chris Sims, Sims right me. here, ex-quarterback Christopher David Sims. No spleen, and thank God Screw this
1: it. is the Turbo Draft. Yeah. It, if I don't know how long you would have gone on if it wasn't the Turbo Draft. Next <laughs> one for me. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'll go. I was going to go Cam Newton or Bill Belichick, but you know what, Bill Belichick. I, I, I just because I reject that explanation, <laughs> yeah, he's making excuses. He's the mad scientist that's supposed to have this team ready to go. They've lost four games in a row. Bill Belichick. All right, who's next?
2: Okay, my next one then. And
1: and and he kicked the onside kick. God, you got me to That's the main. That was reason. a bad one. The
2: stupid onside kick. That All right, was. Go. I'll go Sean McVay, or, or you know what? Not McVay. I'm going to go Jared Goff. My last one, Jared Goff. You know, some of those blitzes, the obvious. He was outnumbered. You know, two fumbles and an interception with the same exact blitz, and just inexcusable for a guy that's played that much football. That that was a that was the reason they lost that game. All right. You know what? He's either
1: one of the best players of the week or one of the worst players of the week. Baker Mayfield, this is your GOAT week. Next week, you'll be Sunday Surprise. This week, <laughs> you're a GOAT. I mean, it's just no, not, nothing. Uninspired. Just it's not sustainable. It's not, and, and you know what? The Brown, Who knows? Let's see what happens over the next nine, 10 games. They may be looking for another quarterback next year if this continues. All right. Let's take a break. When we return. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I think we're just going to urge you to vote continuously for the remainder of the show when PFT Live continues right after this. You know, Halloween a couple of days late. Uh, Well, before we get to that, big weekend for NBC. Clemson, Notre Dame, 7.30 Eastern, Saturday night. Check that one out. And it all culminates in Saints, Bucks, Sunday Night Football. Coverage begins, as always, with Football Night in America at 7 Eastern. Now is where I say halloween a couple of days um, late because go to, uh... uh all you need is the tennessee hat and the jacket you got the mock turtleneck oh my there gosh it is. I, you right. could have been saved it. young chris
2: sims for halloween oh my gosh yeah i could have <laughs> just needed a few more pimples and a hat that doesn't fit my head look at that thing i had to cut a slit in the back of the hat so it fit my head <laughs> it still doesn't fit right uh, do, do you still have the hat? Uh, no, I do not. I do not. I, uh, why would I do that? I went to the real UT, not that fake UT right there. Uh, but the uh, the mock turtleneck, I was second guessing and wearing it a little today. I was like, man, I haven't worn a mock turtleneck, I don't think, on TV. Yeah, you should have guessed so, a third time. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, screw you. I'm going <laughs> to wear it. It's going to be part of my winter my winter wardrobe. Hey,
1: whatever you do, you, Chris, because you're going to do it after the show. Anybody yep. out there who hasn't voted yet, vote. We're not telling you who to vote for. But we all need to vote. I mean, we've been paying attention to what's going on in the world, and we have our own conclusions, our own beliefs about what candidates we support. But the system doesn't work if we all don't vote. So whoever it is you vote for, you can write in Chris. I don't care. Just go vote. Do it. Go vote. Like Florio said. Write in Chris Sims for every race. Don't make a mockery of the election process. (laughs) See you tomorrow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. See you tomorrow.